Hello, and welcome to ECNM On Air, a podcast series from ECNM Magazine that shares industry intelligence, insights, and opinions on all topics electrical. I'm Ellen Parson, editor in chief of ECNM, and I'm here with some industry experts today to talk about the latest trends in luminaire level lighting controls, or LLLCs as we call them, uh, including best practices, practical applications, and where they think the industry is headed. These folks work in conjunction with Better Bricks, a commercial resource of Northwest Energy Efficiency Alliance, to help building professionals gain a competitive edge in the market. So whether you design, build, manage, or operate electrical equipment, which is what all of our readers and listeners do, um, these experts have answers to your most pressing questions on how to incorporate energy efficiency and intelligent building control into your projects. ECNM On Air is one of the many benefits available to our members-only portal, which offers exclusive member benefits and premium content that's hand-selected by our editorial team. If you're interested in finding out more, you can register on our website, ecmweb.com, in the drop-down menu under premium content. And if you're listening on a podcast app, please check our website for the links mentioned in the podcast. You can find it in the premium content area. So today we're talking with Kevin Vanden Y. Mellenberg, Chris Meek, and April Belonge. I'm going to let our guests introduce themselves briefly before we jump right into the discussions. Sure. Hi, my name is Kevin Vanden Y. Mellenberg. I'm a professor at the University of Oregon. I run what's called the Institute for Health in the Built Environment, which is a collaboration of a broad range of disciplines that all think about their specific area of expertise with reference to how it impacts humans in the built environment with regards to health. We think about health of the planet, health of the you know community, and health of the individual. Um, I think why I'm here today, at least in part, is because I've been collaborating with Better Bricks on the Luminaire Level Lighting Control white paper on the balance and benefits on health and on energy. Thanks. Well, I'll, I'll jump right in. I'm, I'm Chris Meek. I'm a professor of architecture at the University of Washington in Seattle, uh, where I teach in building design and lighting design and theory. And I also run a group called the Integrated Design Lab, where we work with architects, engineers, and building owners on real-world problems, looking at how to make high-performance buildings, how to create better environments for occupants. And we do that through outreach and education, research, and technical assistance. So with that, I'll pass it to April. Hi, everyone. I'm April Belangi, and I'm a principal at TFWB Engineers, which is an electrical engineering consulting firm in Seattle. I have about 14 years of electrical design experience that include power distribution, fire alarm, AV, security and access control, and uh, architectural lighting design. I've been a project engineer and a project manager for numerous educational facilities, um, multi-use and community projects where I focus on delivering smart and sustainable solutions for the learning and living environment. Wonderful. Well, it looks like we definitely have a distinguished panel here and uh, people that who can give our readers and listeners a lot of, of great information. So let's jump right into the discussion. Uh, but before, it sounds like, you know, you all are on pre a pretty high level with the with this technology. So if we could just start out with some basics for maybe some of our listeners who aren't completely familiar with um, luminaire level lighting controls, um, maybe start with some background on the technology, um, how it's used, and then maybe we could move into some of the applications that you're seeing it uh, used most these days. Yeah, I'm happy to jump in. So 
Luminaire level lighting controls are luminaire. So thinking about a light fixture that has integrated sensors that is individually addressable from a control standpoint that is networkable. So it can be part of a mesh network um, and have components that are compatible to speak to each other and to speak to the control system. And the main capabilities that luminaire level lighting controls aim to deliver are occupancy sensing. So understanding if people are there and being able to turn off or turn on based on uh, whatever the need is in, in a space at the current time. Um, daylight harvesting or daylight dimming. So continuously dimming based on the presence of daylight using an integrated photo sensor that is built into the fixture and responding to the presence of daylight in the space, reducing light output when, when, when possible to reduce energy use. And one of the benefits of that is that the fixture itself is its own control zone. So it's very granular in its response to daylight within a space. And then other benefits are things like high-end trim or task tuning. That's where you install a fixture and perhaps it, the light output of the fixture is a little bit higher than you need. You dim that back a little bit to meet your specified illuminance objective in a space. And then over time, as perhaps you lose a little bit of lamp lumens over the life of the fixture, you can ramp that back up and maintain your illuminance over the life of the fixture. But to me, one of the most important benefits of luminaire level lighting controls is, is simply the control's persistence. The knowing that the fixture is gonna deliver as it changes out, as the space change, may, as the space use possibly changes, um, and that the redundancies inherent with having every fixture controllable ensures that you're gonna get the vast majority of benefits that you're paying for when you buy a, a luminaire level lighting control enabled fixture. I think it was a good introduction uh, to the topic. And I, you know, the next step is, uh, you know, how are, how are folks using these tools? So uh, a lot of times we're hearing that folks are considering luminaire level lighting control or LLLC as an alternative to typical um, networked control systems because there's additional benefits. Uh, asset tracking being one of them, uh, just a space utilization and space uh, uh, availability awareness. In some, some cases, some clients will talk about the benefit of installing these new light fixtures was less about the light and more about the data. Okay, so could we, um, you know, a lot of these concepts have been around for a while. So I was kind of curious what, it seems like there may be a new push for these, this technology. Is this because, um, you know, things, new, new things have developed in this area or people are just becoming more aware of it or, you know, what is causing, um, what do you think is causing that? Yeah, definitely the technology has advanced a lot more and, and is being used in more applications. And so more clients are seeing it in use. Um, in the beginning, when I was first using this technology back in 2017, the term LLLC was not even used yet. And we just kind of stumbled across the technology trying to figure out how to uh, make it for a cleaner aesthetic up in the ceiling in a gym space for in that instance. So we um, thought about integrating the, the sensors in the fixtures and that worked really well just to eliminate all the low voltage wiring and um, to make each fixture smarter and self-controlled. 
So since then, the technology has advanced in that more lighting manufacturers are embedding sensors in their, in their fixtures. So there's numerous options to consider in any application. These are excellent to use in school facilities and are being embraced by more and more school districts when they realize the advantages. We do a lot of mock-ups so we can show them how to play with the controls and how each technology works and how they can make it into this networked system that they can manage. As far as our readers go, the ECNM readers and listeners, they are, uh, they are not the end users, mm -hmm. uh, but they serve the end users. So they're the electrical engineers and the lighting designers. They're the electricians and the contractors who install and troubleshoot the equipment. And then there's the, our, we have plant facility personnel who also are more of an operations monitoring and maintenance type capacity on electrical equipment in more manufacturing type settings. So those with those three groups of readers, the engineers, the contractors, and the plant facility folks, I would assume the engineers are probably more aware of this maybe than the other groups. Do you think there's a lot more education that needs to happen on that? Or are our readers, you know, how involved are they in this process? Or are they just installing equipment and not maybe aware of all these functions? You know, I'll, I'll jump in a little bit, maybe on the on the design and engineering side. I think to follow up on April's previous comment about adoption is a, the code for electric lighting controls is getting pretty complicated. Mm -hmm. And there's a, a multiple overlays from safety and security to occupant experience to energy efficiency. And one of the things that our code in Washington state and in the Seattle energy code, they have adopted a pathway whereby if you use a qualified luminaire level lighting control product, you automatically meet the code across a whole host of different capabilities. So it greatly simplifies um, the design side of the equation. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep going with a little bit about the build side, and then I'll let others fill in, but I was fortunate enough working with Nia to have the chance to interview a number of electrical contractors and installers. And I don't know a lot about that world. So it, I learned a whole lot from, from engaging with um, some folks in the field who are dealing with this stuff, kind of where the rubber hits the road. Mm -hmm. And a couple things that st stood out to me that I had never really thought of is that luminaire level lighting controls enable the lighting to be installed in a lot of ways, independent of the sequence of construction of a lot of other things, the way the wiring goes in, the way the ceiling goes in, whole bunch of other things. And one of the biggest challenges that contractors face with lighting is storing it on site. It gets, if it's stored on site or if it gets moved around, it gets damaged, it gets broken, it gets lost it gets stolen. And so one of the contractors, it was his first luminaire level lighting control project was so happy about not having to store stuff and being able to just, when, it's, when it comes in on the truck, it goes right up into, into place and it made the sequencing a lot easier and it costs less because it's expensive to move stuff around. It's expensive to store it. The other thing that, um, I heard about was troubleshooting wiring connections. And with luminaire level lighting controls, with so much of it is wireless, they don't have to go and trace connections that either didn't go to the right wire or the, the wires aren't connected right. And the troubleshooting and finding what isn't working right was so much faster. And ultimately what they told me was that, you know, their biggest risk factor on cost and delivery is labor. And luminaire level lighting controls, 
takes a whole bunch of the labor out of the wiring control setup. So that for them, you know, they're, the person I talked to said, you know, he wishes all of his jobs were luminaire level lighting controls from an in installation and setup standpoint, because it just made a whole lot of things that they conventionally have to do with complex lighting control system pretty easy. I wanted to pick up on that theme too, if possible, just for a moment. Um, I think between code and cost, it's a lot of what's driving the uptake of this and and then the exploration of sort of these additional benefits that that come with it for the different types of users in the equation. But, you know, as the cost of sensors have dropped and the cost of labor continues to increase, there can be substantial savings with, with this kind of onboard sensor solution set. And then, you know, as code continues to get more complicated, we're just seeing this as kind of the easy button to, to comply with code and get ahead of code. There are substantial energy savings associated with these technologies. Uh, and, you know, generally um, contractors like them, I will share a, a brief story that when we were doing a kind of a research project where we were installing multiple luminaire level lighting control options and then a typical redesign option in some buildings on campus. So it's, we used a real contractor that typically works on campus we got some initial bids that looked a little high uh, because there was some new technology in there and folks weren't, the, the contractors weren't sure about that installation and setup. Uh, but as they got accustomed to the systems, they said, we're transforming and we're going to do this for all our future retrofits. Uh, that is using luminaire level lighting control solutions for all future campus retrofits. Wow, that's interesting. And it's kind of um, ironic because I think a lot of times if you had mentioned things like this, maybe not too long ago, especially contractors would say, well, you know, this is taking business away from us because it's wireless. Um, the end users can just install this themselves. But are you finding that, you know, these are high tech projects where the end users are not installing these themselves. They still need the professional contractors to make the whole um, project work. Yeah, I'll just share to that story. Certainly on campus, the the contract, the electrical contractors are still doing all the installation. Okay. It's just faster, easier. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of square footage to to upgrade. So I don't I don't feel like people are too worried about running out of that yet. Okay. So you mentioned um, you know the general benefits, um, obviously the energy efficiency, and then I know later I wanted to speak about you know do you have any examples or statistics or real numbers about like what kind of savings are we talking about? Obviously, it probably depends on the project, but and then other than energy efficiency, what are some of the other benefits, um, you know, that are behind this technology that's making it more popular? Yeah, 50 to 60 percent lighting reduction uh, is what we're seeing, and that's with a pretty efficient baseline, a, a T8 baseline. If you're going from T12, you'd probably see greater. If you're going from a super efficient T5, maybe, you know, uh, or an already LED install, then maybe not as much. Okay. Okay, so I was just wanting to add to the statistics number, uh, not necessarily the energy savings, because I think Kevin covered that really well, but on the um, labor saving side that we've seen, we've done some studies on uh, classroom installation, for example, in a standard wired solution, you're using 18 hours of labor just to wire everything and going to a wireless LLC system, it's reduced to four hours. So that's a huge, it's a significant savings for the contractor. And that's part of the reason why they love it. Yeah, that's impressive. And are you finding that they are 
the ones educating the end users on this or is this coming beforehand in the design stage from the engineers? Like who is, you know, how is that getting toward the end user? Are they coming to people and saying, we want these? So in the design stage, the user and uh, would already be involved when we propose the solution. Mm -hmm. And so we would come in and demonstrate the product for them. So they're aware and they know how to use it. Okay. I'd like to jump in and just add one more thing before Kevin talks about the health side of it. I'd like to make readers aware the, the Design Lights Consortium recently published a new report on luminaire level lighting control savings and network lighting control savings. And the average savings that they found from luminaire level lighting controls was 49%. Wow. And it, it goes up even higher in certain building typologies. I believe in offices and classrooms there's the office yeah office office classrooms and and some healthcare spaces were showing even higher savings so i i don't know the link but maybe the the podcast um listeners could you could put that in in, in the description on the web page it's a, it's a great report okay and it, it was recently it, it was recently updated with a whole uh, about a a, a several a, another hundred building types so or build buildings in the, in the data set so the 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 quality of the data is quite a bit better so just provides more certainty to owners looking to those numbers to make decisions absolutely that's a great idea so on the healthy buildings front you know i think it's first important to say that you know i think a, a good quality lighting system is part of a healthy indoor environment you know you need to have wayfinding you need to be able to get your work done those are all you know contributors to health uh having a space that's got access to daylight and view is another you know another important contributor to occupant health and indoor environments uh, when we talk about circadian uh, regulation, we need access to bright light sources. Now, it's probably not so much the actual electric light fixtures that's going to be providing that punch of circadian dose, um, but perhaps the system could start to imagine or help you wayfind toward places that have better daylighting uh, from a sort of uh, command and control perspective or from a corporate uh, oversight perspective, you could understand where in your buildings have better daylight and that could start to guide decision makings about access and equity to spaces that have decision maker had that have better daylight in there for circadian dosing so that's all sort of available now right within the system if you think about how you want to use that system uh, to to support health and wellness in your indoor environment there's also a lot of promise about what's on the horizon or what could be possible with this sort of distributed sensor network. Um, and let's stay on the circadian uh, topic for a moment. Imagine that your sensors that are set, you know, monitoring indoor illuminance start to build you know, an overlay or an app that says, oh, these are the spaces in your building that are best daylit, and then it's gonna start to optimize and guide uh, in a hoteling or an agile workplace environment, guide people to those spaces uh, when prioritizing where to work. Or you could imagine the system starting to learn different types of user preferences. And then with that big sort of big access to big data over time, help guide people to places that they're gonna feel more uh, vibrant, productive, and then, you know, you mentioned COVID when you when you asked the question about health in the built environment. And certainly we've all been thinking about that in a new way when when we were when 
during the pandemic, we were all asked to not come into our buildings. We thought a lot differently about health in the built environment. And so moving away from circadian dosing into ventilation systems, um, I've heard of people adopting or, or sort of leveraging the data from luminaire level lighting control systems to think about enhanced ventilation strategies. So put more ventilation where there are more people. A lot of times those data streams are not linked and they need some added work to link that data or create what we call interoperability between these data sets so that your lighting system can talk to your ventilation system. But that certainly is possible. And then in a similar way, while we're thinking around modes of contact tracing or spatial distancing, you know, these six foot circles or occupant density, you know, in an in a active pandemic, airborne pandemic mode, um, we could imagine setting limits for occupancy at different, uh, different occupant densities in the system. The data that's in the LLLC system could guide, uh, again, oversight or corporate decisions about what spaces are allowed to have how many people. And then finally, the kind of maybe pushing the envelope or the edge, you know, the more futuristic thing, uh, you know, with, with the just distributed data set like this, you could imagine that a, a building could start to anticipate uh, occupant loads in different spaces. And instead of current ventilation systems that are often responsive to the occupant load being reactive, you could imagine systems being proactive. For example, demand control ventilation is a term used right now to reduce the amount of fresh air in spaces that are not occupied. And that's great, but it takes an hour or maybe longer sometimes for the, the space to recognize that people are in it and then provide more air. Well, by the time that has happened, perhaps uh, 20 people have come in and left the conference room. And by the time the fresh air is catching up, it's too late. But with a luminaire level lighting control system and more real-time distributed data, you could be more anticipatory and provide that fresh air when and where it's needed. Okay. Well, that that definitely, um, it, it really brings new light on intelligent building concept. All of the things you're talking about are pretty um, advanced as far as, um, but they're actually happening and could happen. So it's really important that we're talking about this and that our readers and listeners are aware of these kind of capabilities because probably a lot of them are really not that familiar with it yet. So that's why we're definitely talking about this. Okay, so from a design engineering standpoint, April, I was hoping you could give us some examples of projects maybe that you've personally worked on or your firm has worked on. Um, and then I know we've, you, you talked about academic environments and maybe hospital, but what kind of applications are being used the most with this technology? And then, you know, how is that in affecting the intelligent building design overall? So this technology is really great for school environments and other projects that we worked on are office buildings. Like uh, we have the new Bellingham School District admin building where there's a lot of open offices, large multi-purpose conference rooms and open to structure ceiling conditions. So in an open office application, it's really great to have the flexibility to reprogram the spaces. And that's what the LLLC will give you is you can easily rezone the fixture. So if this changes in the future, like this open office becomes individual offices, for example, you can reprogram them to be individually controlled that way, or even staying in the open office concept, each desk can 
tune their lights the way they want to. So there's more granular, granular level of control and the user is happier with how they're setting their own lights instead of like a general zone. I, I was just gonna add an example that I, I, I've recently become aware of, which is, is pretty interesting. And it's counterintuitive to my previous understanding of LLLCs. So I had spoken with a lot of lighting designers um, who like the idea of LLLCs, but were concerned about like, oh, the fixture that I want isn't available in LLLCs, or there's aesthetic concerns. You know, I don't have the full palette of fixtures that I would normally be selecting from. Right. And I, I became aware of a project that is pretty innovative. It's, it's what's called a CLT building or cross laminated timber. It's a type of engineered wood that enables you to build with very low carbon intensity in the, on the um, embodied carbon side, which is an important thing in architecture right now. Mm -hmm. And to April's point, it has an open ceiling. So it's all made out of this structural wood and the project wanted to celebrate that wood. And you know, it wanted to be visible. It wanted to be the ceiling. And this was a big design build project on the University of Washington campus designed by a well-known architect and the ceiling was a huge deal, the look and feel of the ceiling. And they had a pretty con conventional network lighting control design. And it turned out that the architect really didn't like the aesthetics of all of the wiring, all of the cable runs, all of the conduit, mm -hmm. all of the sensors distributed over the ceiling, the occupancy sensors, the daylight sensors, every one of those things was a line that kind of got in the way of the architectural vision. And this was a, it was a design build project. And ultimately they went to LLLCs for the aesthetic benefit of cleaning up the ceiling. So it ultimately drove the, drove the choice to say, hey, we want to do wireless networked LLLCs because we want to get rid of all this ceiling clutter. So sort of turn the tables on my expectations that, you know, LLLCs were a, a, an aesthetically limiting um, choice to LLLCs being an aesthetic opportunity to create more crisp architectural lines to emphasize the things you want to do and de-emphasize the sort of visual clutter that comes along with a lot of wire and, 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 and control systems. And the other thing that I'll add is that at least in my recent knowledge of LLLC projects, it tends to be institutional projects that are design build where there's a really strong connection between the design side and the implementation cost side where LLLCs are successful because the design, the design choices get connected with the labor in a way that's much more explicit than a conventional design bid build. And I think ultimately that choice is going to trickle into the design build, bid build market as, it get, as the installation side of things is better understood. It's interesting to me to kind of have my intuition about aesthetic limitations and cost turned around, um, which, is, which, which is what I've seen. And I think this is another reason that you're seeing more widespread adoption of this technology in the market. That's a really interesting example. Um, so just to take that a little bit further. So how, it sounds like this is pretty complicated, at least in theory of how all these systems would work together um, and talk to each other. 
So um, how complicated is this, let's say for our readers and listen, listeners from a system requirement standpoint, first of all, and then do you have to have like IT experts to program the systems and make all this work or how, how does this all come together? So LLC fixtures come pre-programmed from the factory. So that just adds to the out of the box user experience where it is not complicated okay. for the contractor or the user to program the system. Okay, and as far as getting that data that um, Kevin was talking about, how do you set that up to for those systems to talk to each other or how you're pulling the data in order to compare what kind of results you're getting and maybe become even more sophisticated? How does that work in theory? So in a network system, there would be a web and Windows-based software. So that's easy to use and okay. it comes with 3D graphical navigation. So there's an intuitive visualization of the space and energy across the facility. So you can see graphs of how your energy is working or a map of the facility that shows, okay, these are the lights that are on. These are the lights that are saving more energy because of the amount of daylight in the space that's collected by all the sensors in your fixture. Okay, great. Is that available remotely or can people access that data remotely from any like internet connection or is it you have to be physically there? Yeah, you can access from an internet connection. Okay, great. So do- Yeah, I just, I wanna, I wanna um, maybe add a layer, uh, which might indeed add a layer of complexity. I would just say that, you know, building automation systems have been around for a long time. Uh, the utilization of the data has been catching up to the access to the data. So I think there are a lot of luminaire level lighting control manufacturers that are making some really useful user interfaces. And I think when you're starting to, starting to speak about more advanced uh, healthy buildings, smart building applications, it's possible that you'll get into territory that a manufacturer hasn't yet contemplated about how to export that data or make it easy to interface with another uh, building automation system or with another building data stream and then use those data together to make a new control decision. So I think those are the places where early communication about interoperability are going to be important to take advantage of maybe next, if you will, next generation uh, it or you know util utilization of the luminaire level lightning control data. Okay. Uh, from the design standpoint, um, simplifying documentation, and you know it allows us to uh, get those energy code points for additional efficiency requirements. Okay. Well, I think we're getting close to the time, so I kind of wanted to. Um, it seems like this could be definitely a second discussion as far as. Um, you know, it's a very big topic and something that our readers and listeners are definitely going to be interested in following the trends and things that are happening um, as we move into the future. Uh, so maybe we could close with some kind of, um, do you have any final thoughts or words, words of wisdom, um, maybe the most important things to consider when our audience, our readers and listeners are contemplating, um, you know, using either using the system or trying to, you know, educate their customers on these systems for the next project. I'll start, and one of the trends that I'm seeing in Washington State is building performance standards and in, in, in Seattle, and that means building owners are required to meet a minimum, or I should say a maximum EUI or energy use intensity in their building. And one of the easiest places I think to get energy savings is through lighting efficiency. 
And I think the easiest way to do that and the most significant way to do that is through lighting retrofits and lighting controls retrofits. And um, with luminaire level lighting controls being wireless, being essentially modular, it is a way to sort of modularly over time do comprehensive lighting and controls retrofits in existing buildings in a way that is very uninvasive compared to pulling cable and doing all the kind of things that you would need to get the same results in an existing building context, which is you know difficult to operate in ways because you're still trying to operate the building oftentimes or maybe people in there. So I, I see a lot of opportunity for LLLC in the existing building ret energy retrofit space that hasn't yet been realized and I think will continue to be. Absolutely. I'll I'll just uh, chime in with, I think the the future of luminaire level lighting controls is bright. Uh, aesthetically, uh, building occupants and architects enjoy it. Lighting designers like it uh, because of first cost installation or retrofit cost savings uh, or energy savings. Building owners like it because of its ease of installation and increasingly ease to set up and operate building contractors and building operators like it. So I think, you know, all, all arrows pointing up and to the right, if you will. Um, the, the one thing I just want to say is that you, you're definitely, if you want to take advantage of the healthy building aspects beyond what's kind of out of the box and pre-programmed, you're definitely going to want to talk early with your design teams uh, about uh, interoperability of the data between ventilation systems, lighting, uh, lighting systems, daylighting, perhaps daylighting facade control systems to get the most out of the system. Okay, great advice. I'd also like to add about the future in intelligent building design from LLLCs is uh, in addition to being integrated with your HVAC system, with your shades for the room, this can also be integrated with your security and access control system to make for a safer building. For example, if um, a person enters a room in a time when no one is supposed to be there, this can activate the camera, the CCTV system, and initiate a call to local authorities. So there's many, many ways that we can take advantage of an integrated network system to just add to a better and a safer um, environment for our facilities. Okay, thank you. This has been, I think, a fantastic discussion. I know I learned a lot, um, things that I didn't know. So um, I'm, I think our readers will definitely be the same way. And as we get feedback from this, I can see us uh, maybe coming back and asking you all to, to elaborate more on some of the more specific things that they're interested in, in finding out about. So, um, and also we've been running some articles from Better Bricks and things that are trying to educate um, our readers and listeners on, on LLLCs. So I appreciate your time and I really thank you for this great discussion. So it looks like we're about out of time, so we don't run too long. And um, I wanted to thank our guests for sharing their industry insight, knowledge, and experiences with us today regarding the trends in applying LLLC solutions in the electrical industry. And in closing, I'd also like to thank our senior associate editor, Ellie Coggins, and associate editor, Michael Morris, for editing and putting these podcasts together, making this valuable information available to all of our readers and listeners. For more information, visit our website at ecmweb.com. This podcast is produced by ECNM Magazine, part of the portfolio of Endeavor Business Media Publications. Well, I think that's it for now. I'm Ellen Parson, signing off of ECNM On Air. 
Please let me know if you have any podcast topics you'd like to listen to in the future. And don't forget to check out the members only portal on our website for more podcasts and other great content resources for electrical construction professionals. Thank you and have a great day.